0: Welcome to School of Everything Else.
1: Ms. Marvel. I fly like
2: paper, get high like planes. If you catch me at the border, If you catch me at the border, i got go in them and If you come around here, I make a more day. I get one done in a second, if you wait. Sometimes I think sitting on trains, every stop I get
1: Tonight we are talking about the most high-profile Muslim comic book superhero. There are definitely others out there, including Dust from one of the many runs of X-Men comics, Monet Saint Croix, that's M, and Penance from Generation X, George Washington Bridge from the X-Force comics, this is like a trip back to the 90s for me, josiah al-haj sadiq the black muslim captain america from mississippi abdul al Rahman, the colonel who is the iraqi version of captain america in the ultimates but none of these guys or girls are headlining their own ongoing series none of them are going to get their own tv shows or movies despite kevin feige's insistence that every marvel superhero is a potential a-lister then again legion got one so who knows (laughs) What we can say is that Kamala Khan, the Pakistani-American teenager, is one of the most accessible and popular new heroes that Marvel have delivered us in recent years. And she harkens back to Peter Parker in terms of being a hapless, everyday kid struggling with high school and friendships and romance and worrisome parental figures. And as such, that makes her positioning as a relatable Muslim girl downright essential to modern culture. Kamala is nothing short of the most deserving of her own Marvel film. The positive aspects of showcasing her are countless and frankly Marvel knows this and it's only a matter of time until that happens. I think one of the main things holding it back is you got to get Captain Marvel in there first. You kind of do. Otherwise it's like we are going a like ro- I was going to say doing a Robin film without uh, Batman. I think people know who Batman is now, yeah. but uh, it would be like doing a Roy movie before you've done Green Arrow. Yeah. Speedy. Kind of. Um, kind of. But, I mean, people know who Arrow is. Hmm. Oh, uh, Wonder Girl? Donna Troy? Yeah. So it's only a matter of time until that happens. But let's get in on the ground floor in this commissioned show that was organised via Twitter when somebody suggested it and three people threw in $50 each within minutes. Sometimes that's all it takes. Now, I was asked, can you read the first five issues of uh, Ms. Marvel? And, um... I was like, I've got the first five issues, no problem, I can read them again, do that arc. And then I read them, and I was like, I'm going to need more. And so I got the next six. And then today, I was like, I still feel like I haven't really gone into that much of the character. And I started getting really nerve-wracked about, like, am I going to have enough to, am I going to be incisive enough? And so I read all the way up to episode 20, Um, issue 20. It feels like episodes. So I've read a lot of Ms. Marvel today. I've got... Kamala on the brain uh, with us is comic book veteran Alistair Stewart whom you may remember from our Mass Effect 3 and Sneakers shows and as the voice of artistically gifted mentally damaged orc Ajax in the Princess Thieves and as the daredevil style lawyer stroke scarlet pimpernel lion Quincy P Matthews in Tiger's Eye hello Alistair. you give me the coolest jobs
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hi folks how you doing that they all say they're fine, so that's good. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, it's great to have you back, Alistair, and I was Fantastic really... Fantastic really, to be here. I was chuffed that you uh, You jumped in on this one because <sighs> um, uh, it's, it's good to have someone who knows comics, who, who can help me with my um, my workings out in terms of a lot of Marvel history, which I might be a bit patchier on. Because let's, cool. let's start with a Ms. Marvel past slash Captain Marvel Quick history because uh, we obviously, in a few years' time, not soon enough, we're going to be covering Brie Larson's Captain Marvel when she finally uh, turns up on the screen. So we'll, we'll be fairly light on Carol Danvers in this, but we sort of have to explain who Carol is first before we explain who Kamala is. Um, as far as I can tell, Marvell was a Cree soldier. Yes. Okay. So, um, folks at home, those blue people in Guardians of the Galaxy, that's Yondu. I want to say Nebula, Ronan the Accuser, all of them are Cree, and that's this massive galaxy spanning empire that dwarfs most other cultures. Uh, well, Marvel was a powerful Cree and he had, like, this cosmic superhero powers. And then he came to Earth, and he used his cosmic powers as Captain Marvel. And there were a bunch of different Captain Marvels um, throughout, like, the, the, the 60s and 70s and 80s. And at some point in the 1970s, I, I believe it was the 70s, might have been the early 80s, these powers passed to Carol Danvers, whom uh, Brie Larson just got cast as in the movies. And she became Ms. Marvel at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. And also Warbird. Uh, uh basically if if you remember the original um X-Men cartoon in 92 where Rogue could fly and uh you know was super strong and um, nearly invulnerable she's kind of lost that in more recent years but um those powers actually came from Ms Marvel uh, and there there was actually an episode where um it sort of flashed back to how she would touched her and taken her powers and Carol was thrown into a coma mm-hmm.
0: Which that I believe was based on um, Rogue's mini series from the nineties, oh, right. where they explain how she got those powers and the fact that she continually goes back and visits Carol in the hospital. Okay,
1: uh, there was also like there's a really dodgy storyline where wherein um, I think it was written in the eighties or maybe early nineties, where uh, Carol was like made space pregnant by someone. I think Bob Chipman did a really great video on it. I will link it in the uh, credits, um, but uh, it, it it was the kind of really grotty. Objectifying storyline that, that we're best off moving on from. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's also probably worth noting that the, the Miz in her name was quite significant because she was very deliberately uh, designed as a feminist superhero. Yeah.
1: She was, uh, you know, Miz rather than Miss Marvel or, you know, like uh, Captain Marvel's female sidekick or anything. No, she was her own thing. Yeah. And
0: hadn't Jean Grey had already been Miss Marvel?
1: No, Marvel Girl.
0: Marvel Girl, that's it. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jean Grey was Marvel Girl and then Phoenix and then just Jean Grey Mm. and then Phoenix again. Yeah. Recently, Carol took on the name of her male counterpart, Captain Marvel, technically leaving the Ms. Marvel role open. There's this really good episode issue. Sorry, it all feels episodic to me. Issue of the New Avengers where she's, you know, debating it. And Steve Rogers just says, take Captain. You've, you know, more than earned it in the military, you know. It's what he'd want, and that's what kicks off
3: her uh, her Captain Marvel, uh, you know, solo comic. Mm. And yeah, um, it, it was very much one of the cornerstones of, of the definitive Captain Marvel run, the Kelly Sudaconic yeah period, where she brilliantly repositioned her as a military brat mm. and used that, that exact um, school of thought that she takes the rank because she's earned it and she can do ranks and it almost becomes because deconic does this really interesting thing with well she does about a thousand interesting things that role is am- that, that run is amazing um but she does this really interesting thing where she uses you can actually see carol using her military training to shore up her confidence from time to time it's really very cleverly written hmm.
1: Uh, For folks at home, uh, if you've ever played the Mass Effect games, just kind of think of Carol Danvers as being Commander Shepard. It it helps that um, Jennifer Hale... Jennifer Hale does
0: her voice in the Avengers cartoon.
1: So basically she sounds exactly like Commander Shepard, so it's like, oh, okay, I'm on board with this and I get that.
0: What are you talking about? My performance? I've been busting my tail for the Avengers. I have been going back and forth between you guys and S.W.O.R.D. I have given you everything I have got.
1: Anyway, Kamala Khan was and is a klutzy teenager from New Jersey who wanders into a sudden occurrence of the Terrine Mists. How, How am I spelling? Am I pronouncing that right? Terrigan? I I tend to go with Terrigen. Terrigen. Is that how it's pronounced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think so, yeah. They call it that. Okay. I've I've not seen the Inhumans type stuff in that. Okay. A, A bomb goes off with, like, Terrigen mists in it in the park at night. Everyone else is unaffected by the mists uh but Kamala is affected by it she goes into this weird cocoon and then when she comes out of it she's actually um because she dreams of uh, Ms Marvel as in Carol Danvers Ms Marvel in the old Ms Marvel costume even though Ms Marvel is now Captain Marvel she wakes up blonde and looking like Carol and she's like why because she one of her new powers is morphing and uh apparently it's because mm-hmm. Kamala is descended from the genetic code of an ancient Cree Experiment? Yes. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. I think it's, some, it's something like a human yep. a long time ago mm-hmm. was genetically tweaked by the Cree.
1: Okay. And that human's DNA then passed on to various humans down the bloodline, much like um, a certain percentage of people across the world can trace their lineage back to Genghis Khan. Mm. Exactly. Okay. This is basically, in layman's terms, the Inhumans is an old Marvel comic that Fox never bought the rights to, thus allowing them to effectively have mutants in the cinematic universe. what this means is that Kamala... Is it Kamala? Kamala? Um, I've heard both versions. I tend to go with Kamala. Okay. We'll call her Kamala to rhyme with koala. Now, suddenly has some crazy powers and has to work out what to do with them. And this occurs in issue one of Ms. Marvel. Um, Kamala was created by editors Sana Amanat and Stephen Wacker, writers G. Willow Wilson, and artist... Adrian Alfona. she first appeared in Captain Marvel number 14 that's the Carol Danvers uh, Captain Marvel number 14 in August 2013 that was like one pay like one frame she was there and then she debuted later in uh, like and headlined her own book in February 2014 which is the one that we're going to be talking about We won't go too far into it because a Alistair very kindly read one through five and then read further to like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm not going to expect you to have read all the rest of them and also we don't want to spoil <coughs> everything that happens in this run but I have at least read all of these and Sharon's read all but five of them in the middle uh, so we at least know how it ends but um yeah we're going to we're going to talk about uh, Kamala Khan and um her being Ms. Marvel and, and what that feels like to, to, to really get to grips with the character in her first outing. Cause this, this first run from 2014 running up to the point where the Secret Wars storyline collapsed the world, the worlds of the Ultimate Universe and the 616 universe in on themselves to create one kind of homogenized planet where many things had previously happened in continuity. That kind of ends the world at the end of this run but then it starts up again. So the next issue, she's like, well, wasn't that weird when the world kind of ended, but didn't.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, we, we we could talk for a couple of hours about the relative merits of secret wars in particular, Mm -hmm. and whether or not it was horrifyingly bodged. (laughs) um, To some extent it was. Uh, I mean, anyone who, who read the, the, um, I forget the dude's name, Guy who wrote Avengers for years, mm-hmm. and Fantastic Forum and it all paid off in Secret Wars. Anyone who read all of that stuff, or read either his full Avengers run or his Fantastic Forum, had a huge kick of with it. There were several characters, including Kamala, who it was very clear as it was coming into Secret Wars, you just couldn't do anything with. Mm. So those were rebranded and released in the monthly, the monthly issues were rebranded under the, the, the subtitle, Last Days. Yeah, which is why you get, and I'm I'm not going to spoil or anything because as as you pointed out, it, this this really is a lovely run, and it's great to come to it fresh. Yeah, the the final issue of the first Ms. Marvel run is perfect. Yeah. if there was nothing to do with this character published after that point, you would look at it and go, "That's great. I have no problem with that. I, I am satisfied." Yeah.
1: Uh, It feels like the the closer to a first season where they're confident (coughs) enough that they're going to get a second season, but if they don't, this is a really great last episode. Exactly. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, I believe, is the guy who wrote Secret Wars. uh, uh... Is Secret Wars the one where... Um, Because I am, I'm halfway through reading a lot of different Marvel events, and I've given up on all of them because it's like, (laughs) oh, God. And I always read them late at night, and my brain starts to wonder, and I've been like, I fall asleep, and my head smacks against the iPad. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, God damn it. I think it's the one where Doctor Doom is on Asgard, and his army of Thors is fighting a bunch of Ultrons or something, and he's looking at them and going, yes, this is fine. And I'm like, what is going on here?
3: (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) Basically, uh, as the two universes collide, Doom steals the powers of, I I think it's Galactus, it's it's been a while, I've slept since then, Mm -hmm. and manages to cobble together a much larger patchwork version of Earth, which happens to include both multiple versions of most people, Mm -hmm. and areas which happen to be very similar to previous Marvel crossovers. So there is an area from an Earth where Tony and Steve have been at war for decades. and two halves of the u.s um there's one which is entirely inhabited by hulks there is a steampunk wild west one with again tony and steve and a couple of the others that's Uh, one i've earmarked to read
1: myself but i i'm worried about like reading it and going and like i'm subconsciously nicking bits of it for for my very similarly themed book series
3: oh it's fine honestly um it's good fun too and that, that one works really well. The Deconic run, which serves as her, I think, as her final sign-off on Captain Marvel, mm. is brilliant. And there's, I think it was Cy Sparrier who brought back Elsa Bloodstone, the foul-mouthed British Lara Croft-esque monster hunter. And that's huge fun. That's basically five episodes of her stomping around the wastelands yelling bollocks and shooting zombies. that
2: ice-cold, fight for white one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight masterpieces. living it up in the city. Got on with Saint Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty.
1: This was a book that they clearly didn't want to really change that much or have that much affected by Secret Wars. So if you really look at it, what the first 20 issues of Ms. Marvel represents are the first five is her getting her powers and going, Well, what am I gonna do with these? The next six are her coming up against. Situation where she has to actually oppose her arch enemy on an ideological level, which feels Mm -hmm. like a movie. Um, Even though the actual structure
3: of it, as it goes issue to issue, feels like an ongoing TV series. And even, and even better, her arch enemy is a moderately genetically enhanced humanoid budgie. Yeah, I I love. He's Uh, he's disgusting, but. Uh you know, I, I, I actually hear him speaking with Jimmy Griffin's voice as well,
1: which oh,
0: <laughs> Now you've said that, so will I. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, I've got to eight questions here that are basically going to take, <coughs> us, through, uh, take us through these, and uh, each will give us sort of focus points, but really just it comes down to eight questions that will illuminate and boil down the character for us so that people listening can go, oh, this sounds really great, and I, I can pretty much guarantee a whole bunch of people will be jumping on Comicsology while listening to this and just buying books or maybe jumping on to uh, maybe maybe going into town and going to your local brick and mortar comic store which do need your patronage and buying the books themselves. Question one and this is basically for you guys uh, to, to 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 pick through with me. Um, how would you describe Kamala herself both as a regular kid and as a superhero? You want to go first?
0: I think one word that you can use to describe her both as a a person and as a superhero is uncertain, Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the best things about her. It's very particular, I think, to her age. And it's it's one of the things that I think puts her on the same footing as early Peter Parker, Mm -hmm. which is who she really reminded me the most of. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the idea that this is somebody who... Ah has um has problems relatively everyday problems and chooses to step outside of those things to take on other people's problems With great power comes great responsibility, effectively. Um, But she is hesitant about it, and she's unsure of what she's doing. The only thing she's really sure of is that she definitely wants to do this, but she doesn't know how, she doesn't know where, she doesn't know how to best protect herself and the people around her. Mm. Um, There's all sorts of things that she's basically figuring out as she goes along, which I thought was a really... I don't want to use the word nice. It's a very sweet way of portraying... Um, teenage confusion without Mm -hmm. having too much, and I say this as somebody who was a massive 90s X-Men fan um, and whose favourite characters were Gambit and Rogue, angst.
1: Yeah, I mean, she is angsty, but not in an annoying, overblown Mm. way. One of the things that actually does tie up with angst and superheroes that I found (sighs) really appealing about her is... um, unlike peter parker the one major difference between the two of them she's not consumed with guilt the yeah. the the aspect of peter that we can't escape from is that uncle ben always dies and peter's always torn up over that mm. and um it's there's a little bit of my dead family going on it's less so but it's more of like peter's taken that and has decided to do good things with that but um like even the 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 flash in the very um uh, optimistic TV show is lamenting his dead
3: mother. It's um, <laughs> th- there's it nobody dead true. in Kamala's life, uh, at least in these first twenty. Just popping down to the shops and changing the time stream so we can get a slightly hotter coffee. Oh, Barry, Barry, no, don't. <laughs> um, it's really interesting that you bring that up because and. Um, I- I mean, again, this is something which I don't want to be very spoilery about. It's also something I don't really want to go into, because Civil War Two really wasn't very good at all. Right, I've heard that. I- issues of Civil War Two that um, focused on Kamala were, for the most part, excellent. But they kind of give her a little bit of that guilt. No one dies, but she comes out the other side of it with something that she's going to carry for a little while. Right. And it feels like a very definite step change for the character, and it's one we're kind of in the middle of, and as a result, I'm not sure how I feel about it, because I agree with with the pair of you. The the thing which is so likable about her is, as you say, that she's uncertain, and also that she has this refreshing lack of angst. And also, the the kid is joyous. Yeah. I mean, she has this incredibly complex, difficult life, and she loves it. The the very first line in this comic is this Muslim teenager pressed up against a hot dog stand going, tasty infidel meats. <laughs> I have never been grabbed harder by a comic in my life. I was like, I, you're my people. You're one of mine. I want to see what you get up to. This is great. I love it. And that joy, that sensation of i can do this is yeah. so inspiring and again so we're so very closely connected to the non angsty bits of peter
2: yeah
3: uh, and i mean it the, there's one card I, I always find that a lot of pop culture plays in an attempt yeah. to you know be steve Buscemi in that meme that hello fellow teenagers <laughs> what uh, how do you do
2: fellow kids what which
3: is the the kind of no, this is a character who is a nerd and they understand things in nerd ways. Mm. But Kamala is handed these incredible seismic, life-changing events, and all. And each time it happens she's like, no, I, that's okay, I, I get this. I mean, there's, there's a point where her, in the second volume, I think, where her powers skew mm. a little bit, and uh, She's told about this, and her response is, "Ah, this is like when you have a really good class, and then they nerf you." <laughs> you know,
0: I knew exactly what you were. To- that is, I my explained that to
3: Lyra, and line. she got it straight that, away.
0: Yeah, I just—that was amazing. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. That is a great example of um, how very weird, incredibly off-planet things happen to her, and she brings it into her own frame of reference. Mm. It's not a case of, you know, this this stuff happens and her, her mind gets completely blown. She... Re- right. <laughs> it, it, it may be that this works a little bit in the way that... Um, uh, wolverine 's healing factor deals with the constant trauma that he goes through by mm-hmm. uh, reshaping his memories and allowing him to forget things very easily mm. but it 's almost like her mind does the stretchy cell thing around every weird out of of this out of her experience that <sighs> happens She just seems to absorb it all so well yeah. and 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 again the the little one of the cameo characters that turns up. Um, one of the the lines that really grabbed me was, there's only one power that's really worth anything, and that's the ability to, when you fall down, get Get back back up up
3: again. again." Yes.
0: And Mm. she does, over and over and over again. And you're right, the joyousness of it, not only does she get back up, she bounces back up to her feet and goes, okay, what's next? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's an energising comic to read. It
0: really is.
1: Also, the update on this is, if you look at... um, uh, uh and and this is again why they've differentiated her from the original peter original peter was like mm, science nerd which is fine and great but she's a comics nerd she you know i like science i like to read comics about yeah. science and stuff. She, she's basically grown up like fangirling for the marvel heroes but at the same time in within the geek community it's it's this weird kind of like world within world scenario whereby the what Stan Lee and company were writing in the sixties would eventually give way to the geek culture that Kamala is now entirely ensconced in. Mm. You know, she's uh, it, it. There's very much a sort of a youthful energy about the the, the whole thing, and it feels very authentic. Um, the, the the writers are definitely down with the kids, or at least um, I, as an old person, would would, <laughs> would assume that. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm, I'm assuming here, because I don't know her actual age, but G. Willow Wilson seems quite young, so I don't think it's that long since she was a kid herself.
3: Hmm. And also, quite a lot of this appears to be drawn from life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wilson is a very enthusiastic Warcraft Guild member, oh. from what I tell. The G stands uh, for Gwendolyn.
0: Oh, <laughs> there you go, 1982, so
3: she's only... Yeah, she's two years younger than me. Yeah. Your your point about how you know they've they've dumped the stereotypical science nerd thing and, and kind of parachuted in this idea that she understands the world through pop culture uh, is is very accurate. It's actually something Marvel have done tremendously successfully in a couple of other books as well. Um, the irrepressible I and, think and either the irrepressible or the unstoppable wasp does something very similar, uh, likewise Squirrel Girl, which regularly includes trading cards written by Deadpool about that month's villains. Um, and it's all kind of three or four of these books just hover on the brink of being slightly too cute and self-aware about it, and none of them ever tip, tip over. Mm. And it becomes... It's like the toolkit that she deals with the world with. As you say, it's, you know, okay, I have superpowers now. Here's what I have to go and do. I, You know, I'm I'm always reminded, strangely of the point in the 2009 Star Trek movie where you Chekhov sprints through the ship going, I
1: can I do can this! do this! I can do this!
3: <laughs> you know? Oh, Chuck. I will miss.
1: I'm looking at a picture right now of Sana um showing Barack Obama the first book of uh, Ms. Marvel. I'm assuming that was also a present for him, and that was at uh, Women's History Month reception. She is... Absolutely. Like, she is a headlining hero for right now, this very moment.
0: Positive News, which is um, a a magazine taking the approach of trying to report on uh, positive uh, journalism rather than allowing negativity to be the the dominating thing. Um, They did an article on... Uh, like a a modern wave of comic heroes and kamala was basically their their lead she was on the front cover that month
1: Mm. oh cool because if you look at what she actually represents um with, with muslims being the number one um target of the worst kind of american right now um, I'm not going to mince my words on this one. Uh, the, uh, with the idea of let us, let us treat every single one of these people as a potential terror suspect, which is a hideous mentality. Kamala represents the exact opposite of that. She is about empathizing with someone and, and realizing, wow, her family life is pretty much the same as mine. I mean, it's, yeah. it, the, the actual, the, the rituals and the I have to go to this church is slightly different. But ultimately, most of our mums worry about us. Most of our dads are, are a bit of a windbag. Most of our you know, older brothers seem to, seem to know everything about the world and, and aren't particularly interested in being um, told anything by their, their younger siblings. She's, uh, I mean, basically, I want to say poster child, but it goes so much further than that But with today's media in that posters are just the beginning of the kind of impact that this kind of character can have. And I absolutely do adore the idea of pushing forwards with this fearlessly and joyfully rather than angrily. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, it is to dispel hate. Sometimes you need to get angry. That is absolutely valid, but there are, there is a a measure of fun that can be had that can actually dispel so much of that Mm
3: -hmm. bullshit and she embodies that so perfectly and without being preachy either which as as a kid who was raised in in what i realized several years after the fact was quite a very religious family mm-hmm. really resonates um my, my family converted to catholicism when i was 12 and in fairness they, they did have the conversation with me but When you're 12 and your family goes, so we're going to become Catholics, are you cool with that? Your first response is almost certainly going to be, yeah. And I I was a member of the church for, I still am. You never escape. They chip you. I found a scar. (laughs) You know, I've I've been a member of the Catholic church since I was 12. In the last six and a half years, I've been to Mass once. And um, I don't miss it at all. But at the same time, the conversations that she has with her family, and the way that she interacts with her faith, are very familiar to me. Mm. And there's, there was one, there's one panel which I think is issue seven or eight that really, really jumped out at me. And it's when um, I think her, her mom has sent her to the mosque to talk to Sheikh Abdullah, and she has she's dreading it because she's expecting to you know get get a strip torn off her, and instead the conversation they have is this wait, you're not going to tell me to be a good girl, focus on my studies and do istifar or something? If I told you that, you'd ignore me. I know how headstrong you are. So instead, I will tell you to do what you are doing with as much honour and skill as you can.
2: Hmm.
3: That's pretty much the textbook definition of how to be a good member of any, a good representative of any organised religion. Mm,
0: Hmm. Absolutely.
3: And it's not, he is not a, you know, magical imam, he's not this perfect faultless figure none of them are but these are human beings who are normal and extraordinary as a result and as you say for a book to be talking about these people at this time it's vital it's why when somebody suggested
1: that um i just (coughs) yeah this this is a show that that really has to happen I, i almost feel bad about taking commission for it because it's actually been such a joy to pick up and read through these books um and it, it kind of feels like my civic duty as well. But, you know, it, it, it just spurred me on that extra amount. And, and so you're getting the, the full-bodied treatment on this one.
0: Mm. <laughs> civic duty was never quite so
2: enjoyable. Before.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, one of the most important aspects of becoming iconic... Uh, where, where does the look of Kamala's costume come from? Because she, it's it's kind of a mix of various different things, mm. culturally and in terms of, uh, what would be the word, heraldry. So...
0: It, one thing I really liked about it, actually, um, quite apart from the the scene where she asks her mum to dig out her, um, her bikini swimsuit so that she can basically make it into a superhero <laughs> costume, which is about the most awesome thing ever.
1: Now, as, um, as far as I can understand, because you do pick up quite a few things while you're reading in a kind of osmosis way. They sort of like put little asterisks and explain, you know, that that means to beat your child with a slipper. Um uh, <laughs> And uh, occasional other little things, but but one of them uh, was the, burki- <coughs> the bikini side of um, uh, swimwear is basically to like cover your, uh, from the looks, like the, the bikini, it, it's like a full body swimming costume.
3: Yeah. Mm.
0: It's it's basically, it, as, as far as I can tell, it's like a, a tankini, which mm. is like a, a tunic top and shorts, mm. but you wear it with leggings. So your legs are covered, and it. it sort you. Of, I think it has long sleeves as well.
1: But any Muslim female listeners, let, write in and let us know. Do these things breathe well? Could you be a superhero? They designed
0: them? them to breathe well. Okay, they're they're swimsuits. Because I was a, thinking of you know, sweaty wetsuit permeable. in
1: kickass. That thing, he would just fall down and, and 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 be just ridiculously dehydrated.
0: What I like about it is that it looks like if you if you sort of. Take out the fact that she's got long sleeves underneath and, and leggings um, with the boots and everything. Yeah. It looks like a 60s go-go outfit.
1: A little yes, bit, yeah.
0: Um, and that, to me, came across as a very deliberate nod to the origins of Miss Marvel. Wave, where yeah. Exactly, where she came up in this era of um, being a, a very strong female character. Obviously not the first feminist uh, superhero because wonder woman has that on her um, but having that image and owning it and basically it being a case of um you know her her outfit is time appropriate and and you know suitable for the the place that they're putting her down in but she's it's also
1: culture appropriate it's part of exactly. her heritage and lineage yeah
0: yeah
1: um but the it's emblazoned with the uh lightning bolt that Ms Marvel Carol Danvers wore throughout the 80s so it's it's kind of got that you know bringing that forward and she always wears her um scarf with it as well she very rarely puts the scarf up and covers her hair but she's always got it it's part of her thing
3: mm. and yeah. i love that she doesn't put it up because there's the it gives the outfit the lines of a cape mm
1: Oh and of course that uh, Carol Danvers always wore the scarf around her waist Spash, so it was always yeah. flowing. Yeah. This just seems like something that was always going to happen. Mm. It's it's kind of perfect really. And she's also got the the dark domino mask of uh, uh, ms marvel as well she's that it's actually if you squint it's not a million miles from the original uh, ms marvel costume yeah. but it's less yeah. kind of here are my bare legs for no reason mm,
0: Yeah. although <laughs> yeah. her her leggings and long sleeves are mm. red or pinky so they do kind of look like they could be skin
1: although yes. speaking of she is one of the least like um Look at this sexy girl kind of uh, like female superheroes that I've ever seen. In terms of the fact that she's never drawn in a, like an overly male gaze oriented way, oh no, and her powers are weird mm. and like the, it, it morphs her body. Basically, like on a superficial level, she's got Mister Fantastic's powers, yeah. Which when you see them on film are gross,
0: but the art style is very kid cartoony, yeah. and I love yes, it that is. about yeah. it.
1: Uh, it's 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 definitely uh, there with um uh with teenagers of both of all genders in mind um to to immediately be able to identify with and if you're not a teenager and you're reading it as an adult you have to sort of brew like like i was i would say like sort of rein your mind in you have to kind of power your mind up and sort of like push it forwards and get it to the speed of a teenager to to really sort of get into the right gear it's uh, you can't really sort of read it in an aloof uh, esoteric adult fashion to go well you know comic books are really sort of an, a literature form it's, it's 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 most definitely back to the sort of comic book roots and and you know sort of silver Age but in the modern age what what, what current age
3: are we in now by the way is it beyond bronze i uh, I have no idea you <laughs> used to me about that stuff and my eyes were crossed right no. Well, I, I mean, modern age is always quite a good time because it's always now. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But um, but yeah, I mean, her actual powers are, are sort of uh, um, a, a mishmash. If she can embiggen. Which is a wonderfully co-opted word from that brilliant Simpsons episode um, from when the Simpsons was brilliant, mm. and she uses it all the time without ever explaining that that's what it's from. Mm. But yeah, she can grow her body to be much larger, but she can also grow bits of her body and make her legs extremely long and 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 her feet extremely long and her arms and her hands and like she's it's crazy. It's like um, I suppose. Uh, Mrs. Incredible in uh, in The Incredibles, in terms of like she's she's less graceful than Mrs. Incredible, and uh, more you know clumsy and teenage and and kind of like smashing into things, kind of like a fun Hulk at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: with the big fists. I, I that-
1: swear that that should be a pull quote. Kind of like a fun Hulk. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Hulk is fun anyway, but I mean like a, a yeah. Hulk who is enjoying being the Hulk. Um, So
0: She-Hulk, then.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of like the savage, uh, the the sensational Mm. She-Hulk. But, yeah, as well as that, she's also got sort of a a healing factor that we later find out is a limited healing factor, that if she uses it too much, she will not be able to embiggen quite so much, uh, which is a nice way of saying this is not like she can recover from any wound and then this is Mm. fine, which is a a good way of limiting your character because otherwise too easy to to not worry about her
0: yeah and I did like the way that was um, put forward as well in in the sense of you're going to have to make choices yeah um, because that's one of the hardest things that you learn as a teenager that ultimately you can't have it always all the time Mm -hmm. and sometimes you're going to have to uh, take certain options which close other
1: options off Mm and she can also disguise herself as other people but also as things mm. and this suggests that there are a lot of untapped aspects of her powers because they're kind of vague yeah there's you know there's a lot of stuff that could be done uh, you know in the future and uh, it it really just falls down to what the writer wants to do But um, I like the idea of her having limitations. There's a reason why I made it so that Gwendolyn has to be holding the sword all the Mm, time.
0: Because otherwise... Because
1: otherwise she's too powerful and, you know, she she runs the risk of becoming Superman, which, uh, you know, most definitely has the potential to become boring.
0: Yeah. But again, I really like the fact that um, her powers are revealed in a piecemeal kind of way, and she doesn't even know what she can do until she's done it. Mm. And it's it's done in a very visually inventive way. There is a panel where she turns herself into a sofa.
1: Mm. And also, she never, like, gets... You know, heroes journeyed and, like, you know, now... Like, she meets Medusa, but there's no, like, moment when someone takes her under their wing and says, right, now I'm going to explain the superhero game to you. Mm. She doesn't really get mentored.
0: People try a couple of times and she's like, uh, no, stuff to do, bye.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> she has um, momentum. Mm. And also a lot to do. I mean, you know, this kid is a member of a family who asks a lot of her. Yeah, She's a high school student who it's implied is really quite gifted mm-hmm. in a couple of different ways and she's a superhero and then an inhuman and you know i'm fairly certain her to-do list is a mile long you know mm-hmm. and she
1: also gets drafted to the avengers eventually by the uh, the second run so that's a huge deal for her and she's been we- sneaking out at night to actually do the Ms marvel thing which is again a sort of a, a wonderfully sort of almost 50s teenager thing to do
3: and again, leads to one of the best payoffs in the book.
1: Yeah. Yes. that's uh, We won't spoil that, but that is quite lovely. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That opens up. Um, having uh, Kamala having arranged her superhero activities in that way um, allows them to bring in something which is really key. And I love the fact that they, they brought this up early. The idea that basically she has to recognise that taking care of herself is incredibly goddamn important. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now that is something that, frankly, any um, particularly hardworking, intelligent, compassionate, considerate teenager, and I'm going to say this, particularly girls, needs to learn early. Because when you figure it out, when you're in your late 30s, it's a bit late and you're already exhausted
1: yeah Speaking of exhaustion and the word piecemeal, uh, one of her weaknesses is that uh, using these powers makes her hungry uh, a lot, and this is actually something that I incorporated into Viola in the um, uh, Princess Thieves as well, although I actually didn 't realize that it was from this. I, I think I attributed it to something else where um, using in fact, no, I'd come up with this a while back because that was actually going to be like some other character. It just it stands to reason that in the use of massive amounts of energy, your body would start to feel mm. that it needs to replenish. So, oh no, that's it. It's the flash. The flash needs to constantly keep eating because his metabolism, his metabolism is so is fast. So high. And yeah, if so, you're yeah. going to
0: use energy, the calories have got to come from somewhere.
1: That was what I was uh, thinking of with Viola. But mm. uh, yeah, she's uh, her weaknesses would mainly be down to. Uh, she, she has some anxiety but it's not crippling and she has this hunger but she doesn't have the same indecision As Peter so there's there are times when Peter just gets completely pinned Mm. by uh, having to choose between two very important things
0: but that ties in very specifically with what you said about Peter's guilt which Mm. um, Kamala doesn't have ultimately she's more decisive
1: and more she will weather the consequences Mm. of her decision but I I
0: don't think that is is just to do with her character although obviously that's a, a big part of it ultimately in Peter's narrative arc He made a very important decision very early on in his superhero career, and it was the wrong decision. Yeah. And my God, that can trip anxiety off something chronic. Yeah. And she hasn't Mm -hmm. had that yet. Or when she's made decisions and there have been consequences that are not entirely positive, her attitude has been more, well... I kind of did the best I could under the circumstances I'm going to get up and keep going In fact I think she says at one point um, I I like not being scared So if you don't mind I'm going to get up and carry on Not being scared But I keep crawling
1: Every superhero needs uh, an arch enemy. And to begin with, I, I'm not sure whether he's going to come back into it uh, that much. But the uh, the first two arcs, uh, it's the inventor who is... Um, I'll spoil this element because it's actually important to actually establish who Kam- Kamala is and who he is and how that she opposes his ideology. That's important and it's worth, I suppose, spoiling. The inventor takes teenagers... And his end game is basically to convince them that they are from a generation that is surplus to requirement. And he pretty much brainwashes them and gets them all to agree to become human batteries for his giant machines and thus be of use. And there's a very impassioned sequence where Kamala asks them, What can you do? And they start saying, Well, oh, I guess I can do this," and you know, I can build things out of junk. And she's like, "Right, you know, you you, you can you're a future um, craftsman, and, and you you can you know, do this, and you know, I'll, you can do st- stupid and dangerous jobs." Future president. That one made me laugh. Mm. There's also a really famous picture of Kamala Khan punching Donald Trump in the manner of um, Captain America punching Hitler, which I love. Um, but. The fact that she opposes this idea of the elder generations looking down on current teenagers and somehow disapproving of them in a way that they seem to perceive as is new that the idea that, oh, teenagers are disrespectful and they're interested in technology that I don't understand. Well, that's new. This is the first generation of teenagers that are finally surplus to requirements because before then, there was no teenagers who ever annoyed uh, the the adults. Get f... Fu- How do you do, fellow kids? What? <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
0: that That's something that really kind of... Made me double take, actually, because I think one of the things that the inventor is kind of representative of, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fairly subtle thing, but the sweeping statement. Yeah. He is the master of the sweeping statement. And, and the fact that he's he's basically turned around and said, you know, this entire generation is surplus to requirements. Mm. Okay, no, because here's the thing. If you take out an entire generation, guess what happens? The human race stops.
1: Well, he claims that it's an extra generation, so basically that the the younger kids could then go on to have kids.
0: But that's the thing: where does the but those
1: kids then become stop? Is that just like in ten years' time, those kids are going to be teenagers, and they're going to be just as interested in their holographic cell phones?
0: Exactly. And the fact that that he is who he is, and that he is who he is a clone of as well. Mm. Made me smile immensely yeah. because, you know...
1: That's a bit we won't spoil. But well, no. There is a point where he says, uh, what was the phrase? Game over. And it's like, what are you, Like, she doesn't say this, but she needs to say, what are you, 70 years old? <laughs> Basically. Like Hudson, so. God rest his soul, said game over, man, in 1986.
0: And he sounded old then. Uh, well, <laughs> bless you, Bill Paxton. Um... <laughs> This is going to keep happening, isn't it? Yep. We keep mentioning people who've passed. Um, but um, but yeah, this this idea that sort of <coughs> this this whole generation can be written off as as useless when that's not how generations work. Mm. You, you can kind of say there are too many people in this generation, but if you say right to reduce the surplus population, let's everybody in a certain age bracket mm. decide not to have any kids. Done. That's it. And then within a couple of decades the human race starts to die out
1: yes well you have to remember sharon that millennials ruined napkins no one's buying napkins anymore because of millennials do
0: you know what do you know what millennials <laughs> are buying napkins do you know why to do origami with them so <laughs> the
1: on etsy i did like the fact that she, um, one of the things that that gets leveled at them um them kind of us uh is um no, 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 Let, let's say them, because we're talking about the yo- the younger kids, um, is that they don't buy things so much. They, they trade things, which has economists going crazy. This is the beginnings of a new society, the, you know, being railed against by the bones of an old society that has clearly,
3: severely messed up the world. And this, again, kind of ties back to why... Kamala is so powerful. Yeah. This kid is at the bottom of the social pile. Oh yeah. Like you she's said. She's
1: a minority in a minority in a majority that gets treated like a minority.
3: In Jersey. Yeah. You know. And she's still this hopeful and this optimistic and as as you say at the end of this arc she's the one who goes, "No, you're worth it. Get up. Do mm-hmm. something." She rallies and, them to her cause. Well, she rallies them to their cause. And I find, I find it really interesting. I'm kind of amazed that, that as near as I can tell, no one has done this yet. I'm really interested in the, the, in the interaction between that first year of Ms. Marvel and Fight Club. Because, to some extent, the inventor is Tyler Durden. Yeah. It, it's the you're a worthless generation. It's fine. Come and, and be part of my, my big projects. You'd be my space monkeys. I will will surrender my will to the greater good because I deserve nothing more. And for a 16, 17-year-old Muslim kid to be the one going, no, you're worth something, to exactly the people who would oppress her, Mm -hmm. that's heroism. And I I would really love to believe because, I mean, you, you guys know me. You know I'm... Fundamentally, I work very hard to be fundamentally very open-minded and positive when it comes to, to all forms of kind of popular culture. I would love it if we were at the hinge of the trans- of a transition from everything is terrible, all our lead characters have to be male, have stubble, look a bit like a really pissed off John Barrowman. You know? uh, if it's a fantasy novel, it has a sword on the front and a guy with a hood. All that into something which embraces the fact that
1: I've got a sword on the front and a guy with a hood. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, but With the girl's a... holding the sword, and the guy's her supporter. <laughs> Civil rights tiger lawyer Alex, trust me, you're, you're in the right. Um, <laughs> you're right. Civil rights Scarlet Pimpernel t- tiger lawyer. <laughs> yeah, oh,
1: yeah. lion lawyer. You were a lion. The British people, the British ones are lions. Carry on.
3: Yeah. Um, but I would love it if we transitioned from something which was that homogenous and that dull mm. into something which is complex and interesting and fun, and. And I, I know Marvel in particular take an awful lot of flack, and pretty much all of it is deserved. But you look at their books now, you look at their books when I ran Travelling Man in York, mm. the amount, and not even just the amount of female character-centric books, but the amount of massively successful female character-centric books has tripled
1: They've got a uh, a a gay female Captain America who is also Hispanic, America Chavez. Uh, yep. There's also like a gay Hispanic Hulk. Is he Hispanic? um, The fabulous Hulk or something, isn't
3: it? uh, Totally awesome Hulk. Totally awesome. That's it. He's Korean. Korean. Not sure if Amadeus is gay. I do know he's very pretty and loves the fact that he's very pretty. Every seriously, every cover for Totally Awesome Hulk is great. It's basically. Instead of the usual kind of, uh, it, it's one step away from Johnny Bravo, you know? And Amadeus is very pleased about what he looks like when he's Hulk, and I love that. <sighs> oh, he does look lovely. Nice. Look at that. <laughs> Doesn't he? With the hair, the very immaculate, cute. coiffed hair. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and that's definitely clearly an Asian Hulk as well, looking at that. Yes! Nice. Okay, but like, yeah, that's what um, uh, Marvel has been in the past uh, couple of years. Uh, The comics are now kind of a test bed for what the movies are going to be. So what we're seeing here are what is going to be in the movies in 2025, 2030. I'd love that. I really would. So you've got Miles Morales, who's going to be like one of the... the, As soon as um, Peter Parker has done his Peter Parker thing... Miles Morales will almost uh, will certainly be stepping in as an alternate accompanying Spider-Man to that. And ultimately, this works perfectly for Marvel because they are now very aware, Bob Chipman said this, um, of the fact that unlike in the past where they could just keep Iron Man and Captain America going over and over and over again in the comics because they don't have actors, they don't have contracts... They have well-established characters in their movies and they want to keep that continuity going. People love that continuity. And rather than constantly swapping out Captain America for, you know, Steve Rogers for a different actor playing Steve Rogers Bond style, it'll be who is the next Captain America, you know, then they can bring in, you know, the the idea of uh, of characters inspired by Mm. these heroes. So So we're going to get next generation and next generation after that.
0: Yeah, the the superhero alter egos then become kind of a job role rather than, you know, this is the person. And then that allows you to make the heroes themselves the people rather than the costume. Hmm because you yes. can focus on the fact that those people in the costume can change and grow and progress and one of the other things that i really love about um about how uh, kamala's presented and and what she stands for is that it's a middle ground's not quite the term i'm looking for but she's she is the antithesis of extremism and what i mean about that is is not you know, the the traditional definition of extremism or what you might expect extremism to mean in a, a, a comic book about a, a Muslim hero. It's it's the fact that um you know, there is a a history of particularly recent history, particularly in America, of um this fervent individualism that people have swung back so hard against the idea of being a cog in the machine that it's become You know you're the only person that's important and screw everybody else and what she seems to be to uh, sort of putting to people as an alternative is that you can be part of something bigger without everybody having to be the same part because what the the um, inventor is presenting them is this idea that that the only way you're going to be of any value is to be a battery um and and you know, really,
1: to power how, the machines of the adults. Exactly. How you.
0: different is that from the idea of um, the only thing that you're ever worth is to work in a factory and do a job that anybody can yeah, do to be a
1: button monkey? And
0: be exactly. Um, the idea that that everybody brings their own skills. It's the same
1: mentality as oh, you can't afford health insurance. Well, you afforded that iPhone. <laughs>
0: Yes. Uh, this, again, from a generation who, on the one hand, will question and lament the fact that millennials don't seem particularly interested in things like owning their own houses. You know, why aren't they investing in their future? Oh, and by the way, do we think they're actually worth paying a minimum wage to? Pick one. You can't have both. Sorry. But yeah. So but th- this idea that, that she's... She's saying to people, you're you. And that's that's another phrase that gets said in this um in this comic book, which absolutely slayed me. The idea that you are unique, but that does not mean you are alone.
3: Yes. Absolutely. This this all cycles back around to kind of the very clear parody that she has with early Spider-Man. This is a character who if I if I was an adolescent at this point. In in existence, I'd be clinging to like Kate Winslet clung to that wardrobe. <laughs> I, I I really would. I I'm a huge believer in <clears throat> the vindicative power of well placed pop culture. You know, I mean, I, I I could bore you endlessly with you could things,
1: fascinate us endlessly
3: <laughs> <laughs> with with things like the fact I, don't know, I said it in the sneakers show. I'm sure this was the first movie I ever saw, which almost went no it's okay (laughs) there are other people who think like that and you get exactly the same thing here this is she you know fundamentally Kamala has an incredibly difficult life that doesn't that goes sideways almost almost constantly but she's still okay and that is incredibly hopeful and not sappy in the slightest and that just blows me away that they land it in such a tiny sliver of of solid land, because you go one step to the left, and this this whole book is tonight on a very special episode of Blossom yeah. mm. you go one step to the right, and the whole thing is it is hard being a young Muslim girl in Jersey, and somehow they do both of those things, but much more with it as well, and it all just works
1: there is a definite lightness of touch there they could definitely have upped the persecution. Uh, element of it it's there it's in the (coughs) background but it's not something like she doesn't get up and then you know uh, spend her entire day worried about being attacked um you know her her mother uh, you know laments the idea of of having to go back to their old country where there are going to be bombings all the time but she does it in a a way where she like says in the same sentence you know and, and now you know, there are also superhero shenanigans going off, uh, you know, all, all over the place. It's, there's, it's, it's an unsafe world. But she does it in the manner of a worried mum rather than um, this being, um, you know, wake up, man, there's bombs on every corner. It's exactly. a world that where we are not supposed to be terrified. Where, in fact, you know, just helping each other out when things go wrong which inevitably they will, will get us through, as opposed to let us put super guards up, super walls up, you know, put all of our money into more weaponry, Mm. because otherwise the people will try to take the things from us.
0: Um, There was a, a, a tweet that I've seen doing the rounds a couple of times, which I think is incredibly important, um, especially to people who are worried about what they see going on around them, especially young people who are worried about what they see going on around them and feel like there's nothing they can do to change it. And so all they can do is sit there and fret about it. And um, it's a guy who basically says when he was a, a teenager and when he was a kid he used to watch the news every day and get really panicky about what was going on in the world and his mum would say to him when you see these these news stories and they're talking about you know this terrible thing that's happened and that's terrible things happened look in the background look for the people who are helping Mm -hmm. there will always be helpers that turn up when things go wrong focus on them and it's a tiny thing but I, I do think if you can if you can manage to do that that's that's a sliver of something to cling to when things are going Absolutely.
3: wrong, mm-hmm. and there are two or three instances in this run that, that do that exact thing. I mean, that the, the closing story is is one example, and I think there's there's, there's another one slightly earlier on where I, I again, I'm really reluctant to spoil. I I, I can't go into the Tip details. Tiptoe around it. I can always cut a bit out. Kamala has a very has a conversation with a very very significant person. Mm-hmm. Who breaks it to her in the gentlest possible terms that she is not going to be able to do everything? Yeah. So pick what you want to do, and it. Th- this is a very stupid connection to make, but it's it's my brain. Um, there is a line in, in the day after tomorrow that has far more emotional weight than you would expect for a film like that, and it's um, Ian Holmes' character, the the three scientists in the Outer Hebrides. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Waiting for Godot and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead In a shed on an island in Scotland <laughs> I remember <laughs> And it becomes apparent That things are going to go very, very badly And I think it's the last thing That he says before the radio cuts out and all Is save as many as you can And That is one of those Bits of dialogue you can walk around forever Because on the one hand that's incredibly fatalistic But on the other It's incredibly hopeful you won't save everybody. You'll save some. And the when the big-scale stories with Kamala work, and they pretty much all do, it's that. It's the, this is what I can do. It doesn't solve the problem, but it's what I can do. And it just it keeps her so grounded and realistic as a character mm. and inspirational as a result. I mean... There are a couple of moments in here which you look at and go, "Yeah, in that circumstance, that's on my best days. I'd like to think that's what I would do." And you know, no one gets punched with an enormous Asgardian hammer. It's just a kid who lives in Jersey doing her best and, her, and looking after the people that matter to her. And it's it's heroism you can get a grip on, you know. Mm.
0: It also, that that approach kind of seeds the idea of the snowball effect when it comes to, to being a good person and trying to do the best that you can. That ultimately, when everybody around you has fallen over and you're trying really hard not to beat yourself up because on your best day, you can only pick up five of them, those five can pick up three more each. Yep. Yeah. And those 15 can pick up God knows how many. So yep. do what you can.
3: And that and that again ties back around to, you know, the current political situation, which is uh, it's almost impossible to find any kind of hope in this sometimes. But at the same time, every single moment you see someone helping out, every single time you see someone even calling their senator, even if it doesn't work. That's someone stepping up. That's people doing what they can to help others. And this is really one of the, I'd argue this is maybe the first modern era superhero book that overtly addresses that thing of sometimes saving the day is not what you need to do. Sometimes showing up is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. I've been so appalled at the, at half the human
1: race um, for the past uh, year and year and a half nearly now. And so proud more recently, of the amount of protest that's gone on, the amount of peaceful, full-bodied protest from people standing up and saying, actually, no, this yeah. is not the country that I was raised in. Yeah. This is some genuinely terrible people doing some genuinely terrible things. They do not make up the majority of us.
3: There is, there's a really good issue, um, which I th- came out towards the end of last year, there's a Miss Marvel issue that directly deals with the election and which brilliantly actually finishes with um, Kamala yelling to the polls and leading people off to vote. And of course this was written and released before the result. Yeah. But it still works. And it's, if anything, the fact that it didn't, that it doesn't address the result makes it better because the process is the process. And people who show up for it deserve praise just for showing up, you know. Again, it's, I, it, I mean, an, an awful lot of this book is very moving, but this is one of the ones which is right up there. Because, again, it's this teenage Muslim good Jersey girl who is somehow the best of us at the same time as not being really annoying. <laughs>
1: she isn't. I can't think of a single time when, when I'm just like, Oh come on, Kamala Just it 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 all feels like it's it's a natural flow of her character.
2: Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two, but I can shake it, shake it.
1: In terms of what she's going to be in in the future, there are pluses and minuses to to all of them. I, I was debating the idea of why isn't there a Ms. Marvel like animated show for the, for the young kids to get to get them at the earliest age and to just just to breed out of them terror of of all Muslim people and just and, and going well, actually no, one of my my favourite characters happens to be a Muslim so. Let's just put a great big question mark on everything I ever get told by people putting out a great big blanket statement on, well, they're all potentially guilty of terror. But then that loses a large amount of teenage audience and adults who won't watch animated shows. You make it into a TV show, you know, it it could end up much like the Flash hitting just the right audience of of optimists who want to tune in every week, and you get that sense of like being able to keep moving on with it each week and and to really like work on the characters. But it's always going to be small, which kind of works with Ms. Marvel. But one of the aspects of Uh, the second tier Marvel books that really is required is the guesting from the A-listers just every now and again, you put in, uh, in the case of Ms. Marvel, uh, we will just as a, as a taster say, Wolverine turns up. We will, as a taster say, Captain Marvel turns up. And um, this is, this is important stuff for raising the profile. And, I I kind of went off Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. almost immediately when I realized that that they were going, they were not going to have Captain America show up. They were not going to have Thor show up. They might have Thor's girlfriend show up once. Um, she's not his girlfriend. (laughs) They might have Lady Sif. I was going to
0: say, Jane Foster. Sorry, that's (laughs) impressive.
1: They might have Lady Sif, who is her own woman and is not at all Thor's girlfriend, although she'd quite like to be, uh, turn up, uh, in one episode. If you can't have, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel turn up for at least two major episodes where she features the whole way through it's going to really suffer as a TV show for it to always be Kamala looking at a picture of Ms. Marvel and going, ah, if only she could visit once and it never happens but if you can get her in that changes everything because ultimately she doesn't have to be there all the time and there also needs to be Marvel TV Which, I mean, technically, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually does do this. um, But but that isn't the Netflix shows.
0: You mean that isn't relentlessly dismal?
1: That isn't relentlessly (laughs) dour and dismal and people being punched in the dark. Yeah. There are serious problems with Marvel TV in terms of really getting it out to people. And it might be that uh, um, the Ms. Marvel TV show reaches only a niche audience. If it were, say, a movie of the profile of, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, it would still probably only draw in certain audiences, maybe smaller even than Ant-Man, because there would be a certain amount of dude bros going, well, I'm not going to go and see a girl, well, I'm not going to go and see a Muslim, well, I'm not going to go and see a Muslim girl, (coughs) but everyone else... What? Like you're furrowing your brow at this point? No,
0: no, no. I, as I'm, though
1: you doubt me on this do, one? No,
0: no, no. I don't doubt you at all. I just think those people are dumb. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, canon. <laughs> Official canon. They, they are They are dumb. Dumb people. Uh, but um, a, a big Marvel movie. And also, let's face it, a crossover with the new Spider-Man. Like, get him in there. Have them hang out together for a few scenes. And then, like... Yeah, thwip the world. That is gonna like embiggening and thwipping. That's gonna be you know that's that's a movie that little girls will love. And you know you know how there was that huge turnout for Ghostbusters. And by the way, Alistair, you were totally right about the extended version.
3: Way better, I know, right? Yep. I I will go to my. I will sincerely go to my grave with no clue why the hell they went, you know what we really need to do? We, we really need to cut the entirety of Kristen Wiig's character's motivation in the third act. Mm-hmm. That would really help it.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, folks, uh, check out my Movie a Day uh, um, article on the new, the extended Ghostbusters. It is a far better home experience than it was in the cinema. But imagine if Ghostbusters was also a really, really good film, then all that female empowerment would be married up with a fantastic movie which, uh, I you know, it's, it's more than possible. That would be my number one favourite. Although technically her small-scale antics fit probably better with a TV show, I would far prefer to see her as, you know, a, a young Avenger. I think that that would be
3: flipping it's wonderful. A, it's actually kind of a shame that it doesn't look like she's going to be showing up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because one of her best comic appearances is the episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic she shows up in. ha huh. Um, where something goes south at her high school and Phil and the others roll up. And there is this this lovely moment towards the end where she realizes Phil has been keeping her away from things and kind of very gently calls him on on this. And he, and he basically says, yeah, I have. Um, it's because you're, you're great and uh, we need to look after you. Don't yeah. worry. Eye on you, and they bond over which version of a freeze ray has been deployed. Nice, because she's the only person who's as big of a superhuman nerd as he is. It's great.
1: That does sound like a subtext for we will wheel you out when we're good and ready. But we, but trust me, we have something planned. (laughs) Yes. Damn. So yeah, I mean it's just going to be a long, patient wait for maybe the second most important female superhero movie of all time, Captain Marvel. They should have beaten DC to the punch on this one.
0: Mm. Frankly, I I could they could do worse than downshift and um, look at doing some TV shows for Netflix Kids. Yes. Hmm. Kamala, Squirrel Girl.
1: Squirrel Girl.
3: Man, I would love that. Uh, look, look, like you guys. I'm, I'm sincerely mystified that Squirrel Girl hasn't shown up in any form. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. She, she, she is like automatically like Rocket and Groot levels of we love this character immediately. So just you know, uh, Marvel have no real reason not to, uh, not to bide their time with this, you know, because they've got. I, I fully believe that in 40 years' time we'll still be on the same continuity and that people will be dying who were around for the, uh, for the opening of Iron Man and be like, I really want to see how this turns out. <laughs> like, I've got to keep alive. I
0: was going to say, that's going
1: to become a reason to live. <laughs> what
0: are we
3: going to become? <laughs> Marvel, phase 25. Yeah.
1: Phase 25, this time we might get the X-Men back. <laughs> The going, no, Magneto's still back, from the concentration camps. We're going to remind you of that one again. <sighs> anyway, on concentration camps, we will leave you on that bombshell. <laughs> Alistair,
3: please do tell us where people can find your voice and your writing. I will do, thank you. I own a company called Escape Artists. We produce four weekly podcasts. Escape Pod, which does science fiction. Pseudopod, which does horror that I also host. Um, Podcastle which does fantasy And Cast of Wonders that does YA We have over 1800 episodes uh, They are, Each show releases weekly Each one contains a 25 to 45 minute long short story Narrated in the genre that the show is attached to uh, And like I say, 1800 episodes, all free We are an entirely donation powered company So if you like stories, please come check us out Me personally, you can find online at a couple of different places. Uh, I write an awful lot for MCM Buzz. Uh, My most recent thing up there is a review of Kong Skull Island, which is far better than I was expecting it to be. And I write, I do an awful lot of work for Tor.com as well. Uh, So much so, in fact, that my most recent piece up there is also a review of Kong Skull Island. (laughs) Um, Spoiler, I liked it on both sites. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Alistair Stewart the name is difficult to spell basically write down the version of my name you think it should be and it's not that Um, (laughs) sorry it's A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R S-T-U-A-R-T and uh, I'm also at alistairstewart.com, which is my blog that currently is slightly neglected but shortly we'll be getting some new stuff
0: maybe a Skull Island review
3: You should do one of those. (laughs) Or two. Or three. Oh, Speaking of
1: Skull Island, uh, Sharon and I will be talking about Skull Island. We actually recorded this yet last night, very late, after watching all three...
0: Somewhat k- deliriously. After watching
1: all three King Kong movies back to back, and all four of them because I also saw Skull Island, so yeah, we talk about monkey all of them. Monkey
0: fever
2: dreams.
1: Oh yeah, it was monkey fever. <laughs> we, we, we got the banana fever. Um, but we will be back next week with another commissioned show, the absolutely hilariously bad Doctor Who TV movie from 1996. That's the one with the Eighth Doctor, uh, what's Pil- Paul, Paul McGann. McGann, and you get Andrew to hear Robert's vomiting a snot snake. No, <laughs> yeah, we didn't call it a snot snake; we called it something else. But you can oh, find dear. out next week, folks. Uh, and, oh, before we go, I just want to say a big thank you to I tracked down who actually commissioned this show. It was Christopher Finnick, Kevin Murphy, and Ben Smith. So thank you guys very, very much. You made the Ms. Marvel show happen, and you guys can do the same for uh, whatever uh, other crazy stuff you want us to check out. No anime. Uh, we will be back next week. <laughs> Until then, I've been Alex Shaw.
0: I've been Sharon Shaw.
1: And school's, school's out. out. And one of the best lines in the book for me is... A hero is someone who tries to do the right thing even when it's hard. That is so beautiful and so simple, and when I see Jewish protesters sticking up for persecuted Muslims and vice versa, flying in the face of ancient prejudices to move our society forward, even though it's dangerous, even though it's hard, that's when I know that there really are heroes walking among us.
2: you With some money in my pocket Keep up So many pretty girls around me And they're waking up the rocket Keep up Why you mad? Fix your face Ain't my fault they all be jacked Keep up Players only Come on Put your pinky Brings up To the moon They all be jumping to keep up yeah. Players only